is spirit. Understanding that God is spirit. I pray that God will open our minds to understand his word as it comes. Amen. Shall we close our eyes for a word of prayer? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for tonight. We pray, O God, that even as we are gathered in this place to hear your word, we pray that may you open our eyes to see, may you open our ears to hear, may you open our minds to understand that which you would want to communicate to us tonight. We pray in the name of Jesus, may we live this place with a better understanding of you and with a better understanding of your word. We thank you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name we've prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Understanding that God is spirit. Understanding that God is spirit. Uh, shall we turn our Bibles to Second Corinthians chapter 13 and the verse 14? Second Corinthians 13 and verse 14. Now, this is a scripture that we are all very much familiar with. The Bible says that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, in this verse, we see the Trinity being portrayed here. We see God the Father. We see God the Son. We see God the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is God the Son, the love of God, which is God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, which is God the Holy Spirit. So in this particular verse, we see the Trinity being portrayed. Now we see a similar thing happen in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So in these two verses, we see God the Father, we see God the Son, we see God the Holy Spirit. Now, in dealing with the subject of understanding that God is Spirit, you must recognize that God the Father is Spirit, God the Son is Spirit, and God the Holy Ghost is Spirit. Hallelujah. God the Father is Spirit. God the Son is Spirit. God the Holy Ghost is Spirit. Now, how do we know all of this? In John chapter 4, Jesus was waiting at Jacob's well. And a Samaritan woman comes to Jacob's well. And he asks the Samaritan woman for water to drink. And so from there, a discussion begins to happen between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Now, as they were having a discussion, the Samaritan woman made a very interesting statement in John chapter 4, from verse 19 to verse 20. John 4, 19 and 20. The woman said, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. So, this woman had an issue. This woman had a challenge. And her challenge was that her forefathers taught her that it's on this mountain that they should worship God. It's on this mountain that God can be found. It's on this mountain that they can seek the face of God. If they want access to God, 
according to the woman, it is on this mountain that her forefathers taught her that they can meet God, that they can encounter God, that they can have a relationship with God, that they can worship God. So as far as she's concerned, the place where she can meet God, the place where she can encounter God is on this mountain. Now the Jews come and the Jews present a different story. The Jews say that it is in Jerusalem that God can be found. It's Jerusalem that you can have access to God. It's in Jerusalem that you can worship God. And that was the woman's issue. Where can I have access to God? Is it on this mountain or it is in Jerusalem as the Jews say? So that was the woman's issue. Where can I have access to God? Now, Jesus now begins to address the woman's question. He begins to address the woman's issue. And this is what Jesus says in reply. John chapter 4. Let's continue from verse 21 to verse 24. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming where you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. Now, you have to understand that Jesus now begins to talk about the Father. Jesus now begins to speak about God the Father. Hallelujah. So he says that Jesus said to a woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. 22. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. 23. But the hour is coming and now is where the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Will worship the Father. So Jesus at this point is talking to the woman about God the Father. When the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. So up until this point, God, Jesus is talking about God the Father. Then he continues and says, God is spirit. And those who worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. God is worship. He was talking about God the Father. Because the preceding verses, he was talking about the Father. He was talking to the woman about the Father. So when he comes to verse 24 and he says that God is spirit. In this particular verse, if you are looking at it within context, Jesus was talking about God the Father. And was saying that God the Father is spirit. And those that worship him was worship him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. So God the Father is spirit. God the Father is spirit. So that is the first thing that we have to recognize. That God the Father is spirit. Now number two, God the Son is also spirit. God the Son is also spirit. Let's look at John chapter 6 and the verse 63. It is the spirit who gives light. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Jesus was talking and Jesus says that the word is spirit and is life. The word is spirit and is life. The word is spirit and is life. Now we all know that the word is Christ Jesus himself. How do we know this? John chapter 1 and the verse 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. The word was with God the Father. And the word was God. And then you continue down and he says that, And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst men. So we know that the word is Jesus Christ. Are we together? Now, when you go to John 6 and 63, Jesus comes and says that that same word is spirit 
and his life. The word which is Jesus, his spirit and his life. So when Jesus was talking to his disciples and he was saying that the word is spirit and his life, Jesus was saying that I am spirit and I am life. I am spirit and I am life. I am spirit and I am life. So God the Son is also spirit. Praise the Lord. Now, Jesus comes back in John chapter 11 and the verse 25. And Jesus said something interesting. John 11, 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Now, remember that John 6, 63. He says that the word is what? Spirit and life. The word is spirit and life. And he comes again and says that I am the resurrection and I am the life. Now, look carefully again. At John 6, 63, the very first sentence, he says that it is the Spirit who gives life. Then he comes again in John eleven twenty five, and he says that I am the resurrection and the life. Now, if Jesus is saying that he is the resurrection and the life, and he comes here and he's saying that it is the Spirit that gives life, then Jesus is saying that I am the Spirit. Are you understanding the message? So, God the Son is also Spirit. The Word is Spirit and is life. Jesus is spirit. Hallelujah. And of course, God the Holy Ghost is also spirit. God the Holy Ghost is also spirit. Now, right from Genesis chapter 1, the Holy Ghost was referred to as spirit. Right from Genesis chapter 1. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1. We read verse 1 and verse 2. It says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, over the face of the waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. That Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So right from Genesis chapter 1, God the Holy Ghost is referred to as the Spirit of God. He's referred to as the Spirit. Hallelujah. Now, when you, when you progress to various books of the Bible, that God, the Holy Ghost, is, or the Holy Spirit, is, is, is called by various spirits. It's referred to as various spirits. For example, in, in John uh, um, 16 and the verse 2, um, Jesus begins to speak to his disciples. And Jesus tells his disciples that he's, he's about to go. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he shall lead them into all truth. So, in, in John 16 and the verse 2, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit, or calls the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. Hallelujah. The spirit of truth. Now, um, the, the prophet Isaiah also comes and he begins to speak about the Holy Spirit in Isaiah 11. And he calls the Holy Spirit, the spirit what, what we call the serving spirit of God. He calls him the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of might, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of power, the spirit of understanding. All of those descriptions is describing God the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So, we have seen that God the Father is spirit. God the Son is Spirit, and God the Holy Ghost is also Spirit. Amen? So, as we, as we begin to digest this subject of understanding that God is Spirit, we, we have to come to that realization that the Trinity are all Spirit. Hallelujah. Now, the question is, what do we do with this understanding that God is Spirit? How does our understanding and revelation of God being Spirit how does it help us in our work with the Lord? How does it help us in our Christian journey? We've seen that God the Father is Spirit. We've seen that God the Son is Spirit. We've seen that God the Holy Ghost is Spirit. But how does this translate in our daily work with the Lord? How do we benefit from this revelation? Now, number one, if you understand that God is Spirit, 
then you understand that you can have access to God anywhere and anytime. If you understand that God is spirit, then you understand that as a believer, you have access to God at any time, at any place, anywhere. Now, like I mentioned before, when the Samaritan woman met Jesus, her issue was, where, do I, where can I have access to God? That was her confusion. Her confusion was that, look, my people tell me that if you want to have access to God, if you want to worship God, it is on this mountain. You Jews are saying that if you want to worship God, it is in Jerusalem. So where, do, where really do I find God? Every time we read about the story about the Samaritan woman, our, our idea of her is somebody that had five husbands. We, we, don't, we don't realize that she was working as a confused woman, searching God. She was seeking God all this while. She was seeking God all this while. Now, notice that Jesus did not say anything about God. All, all Jesus said was that, look, where's your husband? He says that, I have five husbands. Then, then it's the woman now that switches the conversation. Notice that when Jesus starts to engage the woman, Jesus, Jesus doesn't say anything about God. Do you really read that scripture? Jesus doesn't say anything about God. So it, it shows me that all this while, while the Samaritan woman was, was moving about, she had a burden, and her burden is, where, where, where truly do I find God? Where truly do I encounter God? So when she now meets somebody, now realize that at that stage, her, her idea of Jesus was that Jesus was a prophet. Her revelation of Jesus at that juncture had not moved the, to the point that Jesus was the son of, uh, of God. No. So when, when she finds a man of God, somebody that she can remotely say, or she has the slightest inclination that this person is a man of God, then she recognizes that as an opportunity to really find truth as to where she can find God. So she asks Jesus, my people are saying that we can find God on this mountain. It's on this mountain that we worship God. And the Jews are saying that it's in Jerusalem. Where truly do we find God? then Jesus uses that opportunity to bring her to the revelation that God is spirit. So the whole discussion around God is spirit was centered around the discussion of where do we find God. So if you understand that God is spirit, the first revelation you will have that because God is spirit, God is not found on a mountain and God is not found in Jerusalem. God is found at every place. God is found at every time. Every place you find yourself, God is there. If you understand that God is spirit, you understand that God is in your living room. You understand that God is in your office. You understand that God is in the back. You see, that is why we have to be careful how we live because God is spirit. Because God is everywhere. God is not in the church. God is not in the church. So, so if, 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 your, if your piousness is just in the church, if your reverence is just in the church, then you have missed it. Then you don't understand that God is spirit. Praise the Lord. So if, if you have a revelation of God being spirit, you have a revelation that God is at any place. You see, that is why, that is why it, it, it's possible when the Bible says that pray without season. Because if you pray in your bedroom, God is there. If you pray in the bathroom, God is there. If you pray in your office, God is there. If you understand that God is spirit, you understand that you have access to God at any place, at any time, and at every time. Hallelujah. Now, you may not cherish this revelation of God being available to you at all times. Maybe because you're a New Testament believer. But if you're in the, if you're in the Old Testament, this revelation was, would be very precious to you. 
If you are in the Old Testament, the revelation that God is spirit, it's very precious to you. Why? Because, because of the, the absence of the knowledge that God is spirit, the Pharisees at the time used to bully the, the ordinary people. They used to bully them with the threat of excommunicating them from the synagogue if they did anything that did not please them. How do we know this? You re- re- remember that one day, Jesus healed a blind man. Now, when Jesus healed a blind man, the Pharisees called the blind man and his parents. And the Pharisees began to ask his parents, how did your son become healed? And the, 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 the Bible said that his parents said that, look, he's of age, you can ask him. Now, the Bible explains why his parents said that. Let's look at John chapter 9. We'll read from verse 20 to um, somewhere 23, John chapter 9. He says, his parents answered and, uh, them and said, we know this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. 22. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. He would be put out of the synagogue. Now, the, the, this... These Old Testament saints do not have the understanding that God is spirit, that God does not necessarily dwell only in the synagogue. And that is why they had the fear of excommunication from the synagogue. Because as far as their knowledge and revelation of God is concerned, when we come to the synagogue, that is when we have interaction with God. That is when we can meet God. That is when we can worship God. They do not, they do not come to that full realization that God is spirit and that God is in their house and that God is in their kitchen and that God is in their bedroom. And so the fear of excommunication from the synagogue was because they fear that once I'm cut off from the synagogue, I'm cut off from the opportunity and the privilege of encountering and seeking God's peace and worshiping God. So if you're a New Testament believer, you may take for granted the revelation that God is spirit. But if you're an Old Testament saint, the revelation that God is spirit is very precious. Hallelujah. God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I came to tell you that God is with you at all times. If you understand that God is spirit, you will understand that God is with you at all times. Hallelujah. The, the songwriter wrote a very interesting song. And it's a song that we all sing all the time. It says, Immortal, invisible, God only wise. In light inaccessible, hid from our eyes. Most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days. Almighty, victorious, Thy great name we praise. How many of us know that song? Now, as I study the words of that song, I realize that the songwriter is trying to describe the fact that God is spirit. That is what the songwriter is saying. When we sing, Immortal, invisible, God only wise, enlightened, accessible, Him from above. All he's trying to say is that God is spirit. He says God is immortal. The reason why God is immortal is because God is spirit. God is not flesh and blood. Flesh and blood is mortal. Spirit is immortal. So, when the songwriter says that he's immortal, he's trying to tell us that he's spirit. 
because flesh and blood is mortal, but spirit is immortal. Now, because God wants to spend eternity with us, God now had to create a part of us that will also become immortal. That is why we are created and we have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. And what perishes is the body and the soul, but the spirit enters into immortality, either immortality in heaven or immortality in hell. So, spirit is immortal. That is why God is spirit. Praise the Lord. And one day, on the last day, when we have resurrected and when Christ has come, our spirits will also become immortal. Why? Because God created us in His image and in His likeness. And in His image, He is spirit. So a portion of us must be spirit. Praise the Lord. Then He says that He's invincible. So because He is spirit, He's invincible. Then He says, God only wise. In light, inaccessible, he's hid from our eyes. God is spirit, so he's hid from our eyes. God is spirit, so we cannot see him. God is spirit, so he's invincible. But the songwriter says something interesting. He says, in light, inaccessible. He's trying to say that God is spirit, but he's wrapped in light that is inaccessible. What does that mean? What does that mean when he says that he's wrapped in light that is inaccessible? You remember that when Paul is found on the road of Damascus, the Lord meets him on that road on, on, of Damascus, and the Lord appears to him in light that is inaccessible. Why? Because they saw a bright light, and they heard a voice, but the light was so bright they could not see it to the extent that it blinded them. So God is spirit, but sometimes when he wants to reveal himself in his spirit form to man, he appears to us in light that is inaccessible, in light that we cannot see. That is why Apostle Paul met God on the road in, uh, of of Damascus in a bright light that they could not look at. Now, when you go to Revelations, John also says that he saw Jesus Christ. He saw the Son of God. And when he saw the Son of God, his face was shining as bright as the sun. And he fell as dead. Why? Because he's wrapped in light that is inaccessible. He's spirit, and so we cannot see him. But the few times that he desires to show himself to us, he shows himself to us in light. That is why Malachi will come again, and he said that the son of, of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wing. The son of righteousness, the son of righteousness, the son of righteousness. He, he, he was described as a sun that is brightening and that is shining light. That is why the Bible will now come again and say that in him is light, and the light was the life of men. So God is spirit. God is spirit. God is spirit. I want us to leave here with this understanding that God is spirit. That God is spirit. Now, in fact, one of the things that makes Christians unique and Christianity unique is our accessibility to our God at all times. That, that is the thing that makes the believer unique. That's the thing that makes Christians unique. That we have access to our God all the time. It's one thing that makes us unique. Now, I explain it to you. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 4 and the verse 7. Let's look at that in the NIV version. I like the way the NIV puts it. It says, What other nation is so great as to have their God near them, the way the Lord our God is near us when we pray to Him? That's an interesting statement. He says, which other nation is so great to have their God near them the way the Lord our God is near us when we pray to Him? So, because God is spirit, God is near us all the time. Because God is spirit, God is with us all the time. Because God is spirit, we have access to God all the time. And the Old Testament was saying that, look, it is a privilege. 
and says, what other nation, what other people, what other tribe, what other religion has their God so close to them like we have our God? And the reason why our God is so close to us is because His Spirit. It's because His Spirit. It's because His Spirit. Now, that is why Jesus will now tell His disciples in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. He said, go, make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then the last thing He says to them is that, lo, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. I will be with you always to the very end of the age. I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Now, ask yourself, if Jesus was a man, how was he going to be with them always to the very end of the age? Remember that there are 12 apostles. All of them were going in different directions. How was Jesus going to be with them always to the very end of the age? Jesus could say that because Jesus understood that he's spirit. And because he's spirit, he can be with them at, at every time. He can be with them at every point. He can be with them in every situation. So he said that I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I came to tell you that God wants you to understand that he's a spirit and he's everywhere at all times. So he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He's a, he, that's what the Bible says. That he's our ever-present help in time of need. He's our ever-present, ever-present, ever-present. The reason why he's ever-present is because he's a spirit and he's at every place at all times and he's with you at all times because he's a spirit. When you are confused, he's your ever-present help. When you need direction, he's your ever-present help. When you need wisdom, he's your ever-present help. When you need a shoulder to cry on, he's your ever-present help. He's always with you and he's always around us. And the reason why he's so is because he's spirit. I believe that God wants the body of Christ to know above all things, to know above all things that he's always with you. And, and the reason why he can always be with you is because he's spirit. He's always with you. He's, that is one revelation that if you're a Christian, you should never lose sight of. That God is always with you. That God is always with you. You see, God wanted to drum this understanding of him being with us always so hard to the point that when he was getting ready to bring his son into the, into the earth, he sent the prophet Isaiah to prophesy. And the prophet Isaiah said that, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and he shall give birth to a son, and he shall call his name Emmanuel, which being be interpreted means God with us. God with us. God, this, this revelation of God being with you at all times is so dear to God than you that you can ever think of. Hallelujah. I want you to know, that you serve a God who watches you. Whose eyes. You see, that's why he says that he never sleeps or slumbers. He, he, he's always awake. He's always with you. He's always around you. Praise the Lord. Know that God will never leave you. Know that God will never forsake you. Know that you, you, serve, a, you serve a God who has filled the earth. Hallelujah. He has filled Everywhere you go, he sees you. You see, that's why the songwriter said he sees each tear that falls and he hears you every time you call because he's, he's your ever-present help. Hallelujah. God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I want us to look at something critically again in the same Deuteronomy chapter 4 and the verse 7. It says, for which great nation is there that has God so near to us as the Lord our God is to us? For whatever reason we may call upon him. Give me the NIV. The last bit, the NIV says something interesting. It says, what other nation is so great to us 
to have their God near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to Him. Whenever we pray to Him. Whenever we pray to Him. The Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to Him. Now, you have to understand that God is spirit. God is with us all the time. God is around us all the time. But what causes God to reveal the presence of His Spirit with us is this thing called prayer. So it is prayer that causes God to reveal the presence of His Spirit with us. So we understand that God is Spirit and He's everywhere at all times. He's with us at all times. But what causes Him to reveal the presence of His Spirit with us is this thing called prayer. That is why the Bible says that the, the way the Lord our God is with near us when we pray to Him. So you feel the presence of God. You, you encounter the presence of God. You encounter the fact that God is with you when you pray. The reason why some people feel that God has left them is because they, they are not willing to devote themselves to the thing called prayer. Hallelujah. So, so God is with you. God is with you at all times. God is a spirit. But what will cause you to, to encounter the presence of His Spirit is prayer. It's prayer that enables us to engage with God who is spirit. So if anybody says, okay, if God is spirit, then how do I engage Him? The key to engaging God who is spirit is prayer. Praise the Lord. Now, that is why the man Jesus... That's why I'm using the, 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 the phrase, the man Jesus. Because remember that Jesus was called the son of God and then the son of man. He was called the son of God to represent his divinity. But he was called the son of man to represent his humanity. Jesus, the son of man, when you read the Bible carefully, the Bible says that a great while before day, he would arise and go to a solitary place. And there he would pray. Why would Jesus have that routine? Because Jesus, the Son of Man, understood that he was dealing with the Father who is Spirit. And the key to communing with the Father who is Spirit is the key of prayer. That is why Jesus, every morning, will wake up and will go to a solitary place and will pray. Because he knows that the Father he's dealing with is a Spirit. And the only way between humanity and God who is Spirit, the only thing that bridges us, the only thing that gives us access to be able to interact with God who is Spirit, is the thing called prayer. So I came to tell you that if you do not pray, forget it. God who is Spirit, you can never encounter Him. If you're a believer who does not have a personal prayer life, you will never encounter. You see, that is why some people only encounter God in church, but they can't encounter God at home. It's because it's only church that they pray. Praise the Lord. The, the, the medium that enabled us to connect with God, who is prayer, is prayer. Now, that is why in Acts chapter 13, when you read verse 1 to verse 2, we see that beautiful occurrence happen there. Acts chapter 13. He says, now in the church that was, that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manin, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work which I have called them. As they ministered, as they prayed, and as they fasted, then the presence of the Holy Spirit which was with them became manifested. Hallelujah. So, the Holy Spirit is always with us. God, who is Spirit, is always with us. But what will cause Him to speak? 
What will cause him to minister unto us? What will cause him to reveal himself, who is spirit unto us? What will cause us to hear his voice? Is when we enter into the place of fasting and prayer. When we enter into the place of lifting up our voice and ministering to him. It is in that atmosphere that God, who is spirit, who is always with us, shows himself. That is why John the Revelator says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard a voice, as of the voice of a trumpet. That phrase, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, meant that he was in prayer, he was in fasting, he was in worship. And the time that he was in fasting and in prayer, in the worship, that is when he heard the voice of the spirit. That is when Jesus appeared to him in life that is inaccessible. So, the key to experiencing God who is spirit is the key of prayer. Praise the Lord. I believe that tonight, if you're a believer who longs to encounter God who is spirit, you must have a burden for prayer. You must have a burden for prayer. And tonight, we shall pray for a bit of time and we'll be asking for a burden of prayer. For a burden of prayer. Because you can have all the knowledge that God is spirit, but you, cannot, you will never encounter that God who is spirit without the spirit of prayer. That is why I love when the Bible says concerning the house of David. He says, I'll pour upon the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. The spirit of grace and supplication. The spirit of supplication is the spirit of prayer. The spirit of grace is the spirit of favor. So, so God was saying that I will pour upon the house of David the spirit of favor and the spirit of supplication. The spirit of, fear, of, of prayer. Hallelujah. I believe that God must baptize us with the spirit of prayer. If we want to encounter God who is spirit, then we must have the spirit of prayer. So tonight, we will spend a short while to pray. And that is, the, that is our prayer, that God give us the spirit of grace and supplication. The spirit of grace and supplication. Hallelujah. Now, when you, when you understand that the way we commune with God who is spirit is through prayer, then you have a deeper understanding about why Jesus will tell his disciples before he ascends into heaven, that they should not go anywhere. They should tarry in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come upon them. Now, every time we read that verse, we, we think that the, the, the Acts 2 experience or the upper room experience, the whole essence of Jesus asking his disciples to tarry in the upper room and to pray was so that they would receive power from the Holy Ghost. A lot of times when we read that, that verse, it's like our, our understanding is that the only reason why they were there, the sole purpose for which they were there, was so that they would receive power from the Holy Ghost. Now, receiving power from the Holy Ghost was one of the reasons why Jesus gave them that instruction. But there's a deeper reason why Jesus gave them that instruction. And I'll tell you, you see, up until this time, Jesus had been with his disciples. The, the disciples could see Jesus physically. The disciples could walk to Jesus. The disciples could talk with Jesus face to face. So, so far as they were concerned, God was with them physically. So they could walk with, they could walk to God, they could talk to God, they could see God, they could touch God. Now, in Acts chapter 1, God the Son, whom they could see and they could touch and they could interact with physically, was living. And whilst he was living, another comforter, who is the Holy Ghost, who is spirit, whom they cannot see, whom they cannot touch, he was coming. 
Now, Jesus understood that, no, these people, they have seen me. They have seen me physically. But now, I'm going to metamorphose. Another of me was coming. Who is a spirit? Who them cannot see? Who them cannot touch? Who they cannot interact with physically? Now, I must show them how to now interact and engage with the Godhead in spirit form. And up until this point, they have interacted with God in a physical form. But now, from Acts chapter 2 or going, or after Acts chapter 1, they will now have to engage with the Godhead in a spirit form. So, Jesus had to teach them how to engage with the Godhead who is spirit. So he says that, you know what, don't go anywhere. Go to the upper room and begin to pray and begin to pray and begin to pray and begin to pray and begin to pray. Now when you start praying, you shall now begin to identify the secret to now communing with me and communing with my spirit. Because from now you will not see me. So, so the whole exercise of tarrying in the upper room, Jesus wanted to teach them the key to now communing with the Godhead in spirit form. Praise the Lord. So that is why he said, tarry. That is why he said, wait. And that is why he kept them praying for about 10 days. He believed that, you know, from the point where Jesus said that to the point where the Holy Spirit actually came was 10 days. So until the 10 days, the disciples had managed to climb into another dimension where they could pray, where they could... Now, you will notice that, look, all, all the while while Jesus was with them, they never prayed. <laughs> the, the, the closest they came was, Lord, teach us to pray. Finish. But you, you don't really see any point where we see the disciples actually praying. Hallelujah. So Jesus realized that, no, now they would have to commune with my spirit, and I have to teach them the, the route to communion with my spirit. So he told them, go to the upper room. Don't leave there. Just keep praying. 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 From that point, they understood that the, the way in which the spirit of God would be revealed to us is through prayer. I pray that we shall be baptized with the spirit of prayer. That we shall be baptized with the spirit of prayer. Until we become a praying people, we will never encounter God who is spirit. We will never encounter God who is spirit. God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You see, when you understand that God is spirit, eh, you... you you, don't, you are not afraid of who is in the world. You are not afraid of who is in the world. I'll, I'll, I'll explain to you. In Ephesians 6, the Bible tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers. And so, our wrestle in this earthly realm is not against, it's, it's against spirits. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. So, we wrestle against spirits. Now, if you are wrestling against spirits, then your weapon must be spiritual. That is why the Bible says that for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are, they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are spiritual. Because we are dealing with a spiritual enemy. So, if you are dealing with a spiritual enemy, the weapons of your warfare must be spiritual. Now, you have to understand that th- those weapons of our warfare, which is spiritual, that weapon of our warfare is God himself, who is spirit. I know you will understand Every time we say that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But what are those weapons? Those weapons, I will explain to you that those weapons is God who is spirit. Why, why would I say that the weapons of our warfare is God who is spirit? Remember that God comes to Abraham and tells, and tells him that I will curse anyone who curses you. And I will bless anyone who blesses you. In other words, God was telling Abraham, I am your weapon. 
if anybody tries to come against you, I, the Lord, I will come against him. So our, our weapon is actually the Lord. Now, when the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, and he goes to Ephesians chapter 6, and he begins to list the weapons of our warfare, if you study the weapons of our warfare carefully, the weapons of our warfare is all talking about God, who is spirit. Why do I say that? The Bible tells us, put on the belt of truth. He begins to list the weapons of our warfare, and he comes and says the belt of truth. The belt of truth is Christ Jesus. Why? Jesus came and he says that I am the way, I am what? The truth, and I am the life. So when he says that, put on the belt of truth, he's talking about Christ Jesus, who is a spirit, who is the way, who is the truth, and who is the life. Then he comes and says that, put the, on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. The Bible tells us that there is no name under the earth or on the earth by which we might be saved, but the name Jesus. So salvation is actually from Jesus. So when he says that, put on the helmet of salvation, he's saying that, put on Jesus Christ, who is spirit. Then he comes and says that, take the sword of the spirit. And we know that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Thy word is like a double-edged sword. And we know that the word is Jesus. So again, that weapon is talking about Jesus, who is spirit. Then he talks about the, the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. When we go to First Corinthians chapter 1 and the verse 30, the, the Bible says something interesting there. First Corinthians chapter 1 and the verse 30. It says, by him... You are in Christ Jesus, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom and righteousness. Jesus became for us wisdom and righteousness. So Jesus is our righteousness. So when the Bible says that put on the breastplate of righteousness, he's talking about the same Jesus who is spirit. So when the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God, the reason why the weapons are not carnal is because the weapon himself is God, and God is spirit. That is why the, the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Hallelujah. Then you talk about put on the shield of faith. And then Psalm 3 verse 3. He says that for thou, O God, I shield for me. So look, the weapon of our warfare is God. God is the weapon of our warfare. God is the weapon of our warfare. God is the weapon of our warfare. And, and, we, and the Bible has to tell us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal because God is spirit. I pray that tonight may we have a yearning to experience this God who is spirit. To experience this God who is spirit. To experience this God who is spirit. God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit. 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 Him in spirit. And in truth. What does it mean to worship him in spirit? I already told us, John 1, I was in the spirit on the last day. So when the Bible says worship him in spirit, he's trying to say that worship him the way that John worshipped him. Worshipping him in the spirit. Worshipping him in prayer. So look, you, you, you cannot say you are worshipping God if you are not a prayerful person. It's, it's not possible. Praise the Lord. I pray that the burden of prayer shall come upon us. I pray that the burden of prayer shall come upon us. We want to see God. We want to experience God. We want to work the works of God. We want, we want to be clothed with the Spirit of God. But you cannot be clothed with the Spirit of God without, without the key of prayer. 
without spending time with God. That is why it was after Moses spending 40 days and 40 nights with God that he came back and his face was shining bright as light. Why? Because he's in light inaccessible. So when, 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 when he goes and he experiences that light that is inaccessible, a little bit of that light rubs upon him. So when he comes down, that light that is inaccessible, that has rubbed upon him, is beginning to show and the people cannot look at his face. I believe that we have to get to the point when, when the Bible says that people cannot look at his face, in the days of Israel, it was literal, but in our case, it is spiritual. What it means is that after we have spent time with God and we descend on the earth, no spiritual force can look at our face. No situation can look, look at our face. No predicament can look at our face. Our face will be shining with the radiance of the light of God. And the reason why it is so is because we have encountered God who is spirit, who is light, by virtue of our communion and our prayer and our spending time with him. May God grant us the spirit of prayer and supplication. Of prayer and supplication. We have just about 15 minutes. I want us to pray. I want us to pray. I, the, the reason why we are praying tonight is because it's good to just have the knowledge of knowing that God is spirit. But the practicality of experiencing that God is spirit is more critical. We are praying. And we are saying that, Father, just as you poured upon the house of David the spirit of grace and supplication. May you pour upon us tonight that same spirit of supplication, that same spirit of prayer, that same grace to tarry in prayer for hours in the name of Jesus. You said that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like wicker. They shall run and not be weary. You want to lift up your voice and you are saying that, Father, in the name of Jesus, let there be a release upon me of that spirit of prayer and supplication of that spirit of grace and supplication in the name of Jesus. I believe that tonight, God must revive somebody's prayer life. I, begin, I believe that tonight, God will revive somebody's prayer life. I believe that tonight, somebody has been weak in prayer. I believe that tonight, somebody has been sluggish in prayer. But as you lift up your voice this evening, wherever you are in your home, wherever you are watching online, I want you to also lift up your voice and begin to pray. And God is going to visit you. We have heard that God is spirit. And so God is in your living room right now. God is in your car right now. As you are listening to the word of the Lord, through your mobile phone, through your computer, through YouTube, through Facebook, God will touch you. The spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you. The spirit of the Lord is going to bring a revival and an and, and energy, a certain unique grace, a certain supernatural grace is going to come upon you. You want to lift up your voice and you are saying that, Father, tonight, uh, baptize me, O God, uh, with the spirit of supplication, with the spirit of prayer in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you want to speak to the Lord. You want to speak to the Lord. You are seated here tonight and you can see that your prayer life is suffering. If your prayer life is suffering, it means that you are suffering in encountering God who is spirit. You want to lift up your voice and you are saying that, Oh God, tonight, oh God, tonight, let there be an outpouring of the spirit of prayer. In the name of Jesus, let there be an outpouring of the spirit of prayer. In the name of Jesus, tonight we want a change. Tonight we want a change. Tonight we want a change. In the name of Jesus, tonight we want a reignition. In the name of Jesus, tonight we pray, O oh God, may we be ushered into the place where there's a fresh burden for prayer. May we learn the secret of the secret place tonight. Ah, we pray tonight. May we love the secret 
bit of the secret place. Uh, in the name of Jesus, uh, you said they that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We want to walk abiding in the shadow of the Almighty. We want to walk abiding in the spirit of the Almighty. Uh, we have come to understand uh, that the only way we can commune with your spirit uh, uh, is by the medium of prayer. Is by the medium uh, of prayer. Is by the medium of prayer. Ah, labraku Masaya. You want to lift up your voice. You want to lift up your voice. Uh, you want to lift up your voice uh, for an impartation of the grace to pray. Uh, for an impartation of the zeal to pray. Uh, the Bible says uh, that one day Jesus said to his disciples, uh, could you not tarry with me one hour? Uh, he went and he came back again. Uh, and he said that could you not tarry with me another hour? Uh, we want to pray tonight. Uh, and we, want, we are praying. We are saying that Father, grant us the grace to tarry in prayer for hours. In the name of Jesus, let our prayer limit be stretched. In the name of Jesus, you are here. If you pray one hour every day, you are saying that God move me to that dimension where I pray more than one hour. If you pray more than one hour a day, you want to lift up your voice and you are saying that Father, take me to that dimension where I pray more than one hour every day. In the name of Jesus, we pray, O God, the spirit of grace and supplication. The spirit of grace and supplication. The Bible tells us that pray without ceasing. 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 Oh Lord, we pray. We pray. We pray. We have not been a praying church. We have not been praying believers. We don't have a personal prayer life with you. The few times we pray is when we come to church. Oh Lord, we pray from tonight. Oh Lord, we pray from tonight. Let there be a release of grace. Let there be a release of grace. Let us build our own personal prayer altars. In the name of Jesus. Ah, may we begin to build our personal prayer altars. Because we long to encounter that spirit of the Lord. We long to encounter that God who is spirit. We long to encounter that God who is spirit. So the Bible says that day when the prophets and teachers had gathered in that place and they began to minister unto the Lord and began to lift up their voice in prayer, the Holy Spirit said they heard the voice of the spirit. 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 From tonight we want to hear the voice of the spirit from tonight we want to hear the voice of the spirit and the key to hearing the voice of the spirit the key to hearing god who is spirit is the key of prayer is the key of worship is the key of ministering before the lord you are lifting up your voice and you are saying ah the bible says that as many as are led by the spirit of god they are the sons of god as many as are led by the spirit of god as many as are led by god who is spirit they are the sons of god so it means that probably there are a lot of us here that heaven does not see us that we are the sons of God we are not, because we are not led by the spirit of God because we cannot hear the voice of God and the reason why we do not hear the voice of God is because we are not praying believers oh God we pray, oh God we pray oh God we pray that this thing called prayer, this thing called personal prayer life, this thing called personal prayer altars that we shall have it in the name of Jesus, let there be a release of that supernatural grace of that supernatural grace of that supernatural grace in the name of Jesus, some of us we are here, and it seems as if God is far away from us. It seems as if God is far away from us. We have never heard the voice of God. We have never heard God's 
to us. We have never heard God speak to our ears. We have never heard God speak to our spirit. We have never heard God speak to us through the word of God. We have never heard God speak to us through our Bibles. We have never heard God speak to us through quiet time. And the reason why we cannot hear the voice of God is because we do not pray. Prayer is what picking your spirit to hear the voice of God. Prayer is what sharpens your spirit to hear the voice of God. It is your spirit that to hear the voice of God who is spirit. Ah, so tonight you are praying and you are saying that God, 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 oh, may there be a revival in my prayer life. May I build a personal prayer altar. May I build a personal prayer altar in the name of Jesus. May we move from the point where we only pray because we are in church. But may we move from a place where like Jesus, a great while before day, we shall go to a solitary place and we shall begin to seek the face of God. And we shall begin to seek the face of God. And we shall begin to seek the face of God. And we shall begin to commune with the Spirit of God. And we shall begin to commune with the Spirit of God. When we climb into that realm where we begin to pray, that is the realm where God will begin to show us His Spirit. Ah, Rabakuni we have about five or six more minutes you want to pray you want to pray you just want to lift up your voice and you want to say father grace father grace father grace father grace father grace the bible says it is god who works in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure it is god who will work in you it is god who will work in you it is God who will supply uh, the energy. It is God who will supply the ability uh, to develop a personal prayer altar. Father, tonight we pray for that grace. 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 Rabadini Matalaba. We want to be able to connect with your spirit. We want to be able to connect with your spirit. We want to be able to connect with your spirit in deeper dimensions. We want to be able to connect with your spirit in deeper dimensions. We want to be able to connect with your spirit in deeper dimensions. We want to be able to connect in your spirit in another realm, in another realm, in another realm, in another realm, in another realm. There's a realm where we encounter your spirit through hearing in our ears. But there's another realm where we encounter your spirit which descends upon us like glowing tongues of fire. And there's another realm where we encounter your spirit in the form of lightning. And there's a realm where we encounter your spirit where we hear your voice like many rushing want us. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. May we begin to encounter your spirit in deeper dimensions. May we begin to encounter your spirit in deeper dimensions. God said to Aaron and Miriam, he said, if there's a prophet amongst you, I speak to him in dreams and in visions. So one dimension where God reveals his spirit to us and where God communes with us is in dreams and visions. But he said that concerning Moses, I speak to him face to face as a man who speak to his brother. Ah, we pray, we pray, we pray. May we move to another realm where we encounter God in another dimension, in a stronger dimension, in a stronger way. Father, we pray. Father, we pray. Father, we pray for the spirit of prayer. For the spirit of prayer. We have understood that you are spirit. And we want to connect with that spirit. We want to connect with you in spirit and in truth. We pray. Father, if there is anybody in this place who has been struggling to pray, we pray that tonight let there be a release in the name of Jesus. If there is anybody in this place who used to have a personal prayer altar, but because of life circumstances, they have lost that prayer altar, we pray that from tonight, take them back to that prayer altar in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for those of us who are here, who have a personal prayer life with you. We pray that you shall take us to deeper dimensions. Because we said deep, call it unto deep. 
You said deep, collect unto deep. You say that they that sit in boat and they go to the sea, sir, they see the wonders of the Lord in the deep. We know that it is in the deep that we will see your wonders. We know that it is in the deep that we will encounter your spirit. So we are on the boat, but we are on the shore. We are on the shore. As far as communion with your spirit is concerned, we are on the shore. But we pray that may we be go, begin to go into the deep. May we begin to go into the deep. May we begin to go into the deep. In the name of Jesus, sir, may we begin to steer our boat into the deep. May we begin to steer our boat from the shore. May we begin to enter the deeper where we see oh oh that is why when the disciples saw jesus walking on the water they did not see jesus walking on the water on the shore it is when they had entered the deep that they saw jesus walking on the water we want to see jesus but you won't see jesus on the shore you will see jesus in the deep father we pray we pray we pray oh god take us into the deep take us into the deep take us into the deep in the name of jesus in the name of jesus Oh, thank you for helping us to understand that you are spirit. Thank you for this revelation. Thank you for this understanding. In the name of Jesus. Immortal, invisible, oh God, holy wise, enlightened, accept. From our eyes, most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of death, almighty, victorious, thy great name we pray. Immortal. Immortal. 